information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. So, you've decided you want more out of your life. More than the 9 to 5. More than paycheck to paycheck. More than lifelong debt. But that leaves questions. Where do I go from here? What can I do without any money, connections, or experience? Our goal is not only to provide you with answers to those questions, but also to motivate people in an authentic way, mentor people who don't have mentors, give back, and hear some inspiring stories along the way. If you're not going to show people what's possible, who is? My name is Aaron Eiler. And I'm April Munson. And and this this is Ground Zero. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dream Chasers Ground Zero. Today, I have with us Austin Linney. Austin, would you just mind sharing a story with us of what we like to call your personal Ground Zero moment and to kind of piggyback off of that, some of the things that you learned to help get to where you are today? Sure. Thanks for having me. So... um you know, as a kid, you know, you, you look up to sports athletes, you know, you, you know, I lived across the street from Robert Ory. Uh, Avery Johnson lived in my, my neighborhood. So you can imagine that it was an affluent neighborhood. My dad was a doctor and in, in a nice um, country club setting in Houston. So why was I living in a downstairs closet, 50 square feet wide? with a bag of clothes on a single mattress. And that's because I abused methamphetamines and cocaine and alcohol to uh, a hard extent. And both my parents had kicked me out. And um, when you go from a 4,000 square foot house to a 50 square foot closet underneath some stairs, there's a lot of self-reflection going on. Um, I was working construction. I was living off 40 bucks a month in food, eating ramen noodles and ham sandwiches. And, um, you know, somebody asked me on a podcast, you know, how did you get out of your rock bottom moment? You know, how did you, how did you, what got you out of that closet? And I said, no matter what my parents taught me, the number one lesson that set through to me was to work, work. And so anytime my back's been up against the wall, I go to work. I don't whine and bitch about why I got there. I go to work and it served me really well. And my favorite line that I came up with, my quote that I came up with is every answer that you're seeking is on the other side of action. And that for me was one of the turning points in my life. And it didn't get much better from there for a long time, but it was kind of the defining moment that, that, that has always uh, kept me pushing hard to make sure I don't wind back up in that closet. 
Yeah, and I think that that's kind of a really powerful metaphor that you can use too, but it's literal. You know, like you can tell a lot of people, like you got to get out of your closet. You got to get out of that situation that you're in, kind of whatever that looks like for you. But like, obviously for you, that was real. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, it comes from such a special place for you. But you can say like, you know, figuratively getting out of your closet, kind of getting out of that comfort zone, finding that new thing, you know, like you can actually use that, which I think is really powerful. And it's a good like metaphor per se, because like you can like when somebody says in a closet, people can understand kind of what that feels like, whether, you know, whether you're claustrophobic or not, you can understand kind of what it feels like to be, you know, closed in a dark room, you know, with not much room to move and not real, you know, not real sure what's going on. And just kind of being, you know, stuck. I think we can all kind of relate to one of those moments. And yeah, that's and what I, I think, think. I think. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I think what I think what's really hard for people, especially young kids, right, is that they think that everything they knew they do needs to make money. It's not the case. Like certain things that you do in your life give you energy, which allow you to show up in other parts of your life better, right? And so um, I was at a career that I didn't want to do for a really long time. I was at the top. I didn't really want to be there. It wasn't until I had something outside of that career that I was doing, which was investing in Airbnbs, that work wasn't that big of a deal. And I think the bigger issue when people are sad or upset or don't want to be at their job anymore, it's because they don't have anything outside of that. And that thing outside of it doesn't need to make money. It can just give you energy, which excites you. And so when I coach a lot of adults, which I do, I ask them a simple question. What's something when you were a kid that you enjoyed doing? And go do more of that. I think that's so powerful. I mean, because like even people my age now, like I see so many people kind of get caught up in like what their own personal definition of fun is. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of people just think that like, especially at the college age, that it's like drinking, partying, socializing, whatever, because that's what everybody does, or at least least the majority of some people. But I think like just because some people think that's fun, like that doesn't mean that you have to think that's fun. And I mean, maybe your idea of fun is staying in. (laughs) Yes, so important because I understand that what I think is fun right now is building multiple companies, impacting lives and getting up at 4 a.m. every morning and working out. Like I think those are the, I think they're the best. And, you know, I don't drink anymore. I've been sober for three years and like I had my fun. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not that great of a friend right now because I'm in full on construction mode in all my businesses and my, my, my life, because I want to have kids soon. And I want to make sure that I'm set up for success so I can be the fun dad and I'm not stuck at work. 100%. I can say that that even um, kind of aligns with a lot of stuff that I want to achieve, you know, obviously when I get to that point, but yeah, like, um, I think what you mentioned is extremely powerful just in finding what, you know, what your idea of fun is and just, you know, whether that be, reading a book, whether that be going for a walk, working out, painting, I mean, any of those things. And I mean, none of those made money, but at the same time, like if that's what you enjoy, that's your outlet, you know what I mean? Don't hesitate to kind of bask in that, you know, enjoy what it is that that gives you energy. And, you know, the point is just like I said, don't get lost in what everybody else thinks is cool and, you know, find what you enjoy doing. Like you said, do something that you enjoy doing as a kid and spend your time doing that, you know, you define fun. There's a, there's a couple of truths in life, and I think the biggest one that's a misnomer for especially all the young kids, because I coach a couple, is that nobody gives a shit about you. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to I hate to uh, I hate to burst your bubble, but true story. And I'll use myself as an example. So when I stopped drinking, 
So I've lost uh, almost 80 pounds altogether, like uh, weight loss, right? So I lost like 40 pounds and I went to a family wedding and um, nobody at that wedding said, hey, you look great, great on you for losing weight. And that was my aha moment that everybody has their own thing going on. And if you think that they're concerned about you, they aren't. And so you have to give yourself what you need to get through what you need to. But the bigger issue on the back of nobody cares what you're doing is that nobody wants, um, Jay-Z said it perfectly, everybody wants to emulate the results. They don't want to emulate the process. Like I actually find it really fun that I built a multiple six-figure business in under 14 months, maybe like 12 months, because that's cool as shit. And like, how big could that get? Right. And like, it's really fun to like learn a new technique and add that in your skill set and understand that the skills that you're getting, you know, everybody's like, oh man, your network's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous, but I've been cultivating it since I was 17. Like I'm 39. Like it's, I've cultivated this. I've traveled the world. I've worked in different locations, lived in different cities. I've networked with a million people. I've gone to a million events. Of course I have that network. So when you're young, you know, uh, I think Hunter Thompson told this to Adam, and I thought it was a really important point. You know, everybody's trying to follow 40 people. Find the two people that you really enjoy and just follow them. Like, you're, 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 you're too clouded up with these extra things. Like, it's not really that hard. Be nice. Move your body 10 minutes a day. Drink water. Eat good. And add skills. Like, that's it. Like, then the rest of the stuff. I mean, it'll figure itself out in time. I like the quote that you used there, just because I think it's another one that's just so powerful that everybody wants to see the results, but nobody wants to emulate the process. And I think that, I mean, a lot of us even see that now in my kind of shoes is that like, you'll start to notice when you start moving in a certain direction that like people want to see you successful, but they don't want to see you more successful than them. So once you pass a certain point, all of a sudden people flip on you and they'll start to kind of like hate on what you're doing. And, you know, like, and most of the time, these are the people that either have the goals, but don't have the ambition to go after the goals or they don't have any goals or ambitions. So now they're hating on you because you're realizing the things that they want to, but remember, remember that you, meaning you, even you are only nothing more than a mirror to people. Okay. And what I mean by that is when I got sober, I had a couple guys try to fight me. This is a real story. I'm a grown-up. Like, who tries to fight grown-ups? Like, this child stuff, right? And if I was not self-aware enough, I could take it as, like, I'm doing something to offend them. What they later addressed to me down the road was they were so upset that I could get sober and I was happy that it drove them crazy inside and they wanted to get me out of their face. I've had coaching clients leave me because they see how happy I am and they can't get sober. And then they'll call me two months later and go, it's because I'm not okay with myself. And so remember, this is how it works. When you start changing, they'll hate you. They'll ask you for your advice and then they'll hire you. That's the process. I have people that talk shit on me three years ago when I left the restaurant business and and started a podcast. I have people that, talk shit behind my back on the regular because I know because friends went to their bar that have reached out to me in the last three months and asked me if I could help them 
change their life around. So remember that you just have to keep going in the beginning because there's going to be people that call you out and don't let that negative comment or that naysayer because understanding that you're doing something that their mind can't comprehend. And that's okay. Even you, I would imagine I have to ask you, like when, when you told people you were going to start a podcast, I'm sure people were like, what are you doing, dude? You don't have anything to say, right? I was saying that. I was saying that to myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and, and yeah, now, now how, many, how, many, how many episodes have you put out? Uh, this will be mid-40s. Okay. When you first started, give me two things that were rolling around in your mind that you thought were never going to be the case. Like? Um, people were going to care what I had to say. Okay. And then was um, one, how am I going to get guests? Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> are any of those two things are any of those two things a problem? Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. Um, you know, obviously we're still, you know, working on it, getting better every time. Uh, obviously, I have some help from a wonderful mentor, but um, but yeah, definitely, you know, I've I feel like turned the corner where now I feel like I definitely have something to say. And I found much more of a voice in the fact that I do have something to share and that I feel mm -hmm. like if somebody does tune in, that they are going to get value out of it. So I love it. And when I started my podcast, so I have two and we did uh, 190 episodes in, in uh, 13 months. Like I was just doing nine a day. I was plowing, like just, you know, and I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't look at any of the downloads for a year and a half. And I didn't. And what I told myself is every time I click record, if one person gets value from this, I did my job. If one person gets value from this and, and then let my guests share their story and it's about them, right? And sure enough, that chart went all the way up and I accidentally saw one day and I was like, I don't know what that means, like in the context of the podcast. And, and my mentor was like, yeah, that's pretty damn good. And I was like, okay, then I guess we did what we need to do, you know? And, and so, you know, I just brought on like yesterday, a creative director for the podcast but like, it's basically been me, my assistant and like a VA for like a year and a half, putting out 400 episodes. And now we're finally going to, you know, strategically look at some different stuff, but it's, it's so important to, you know, uh, I coach people on Airbnb all the time. Right. And people always ask me, like, I'll go through this whole explanation of like how you run an Airbnb. And then they ask me this one question and I know I'm done like talking, I can't deal with it. They're like, Hey, um, how do you start an LLC? And I'm like, okay, so you didn't listen to any of what I meant. Like, that doesn't matter. It costs 300 bucks on YouTube. Like just go on YouTube. It takes three seconds. Like, but their mind is not in the right frame of what is the focus It's like, so one of the things I do in my business is super important is I let scale drive the business. And what I mean by that is I don't overcommit to things until the business is there and then when the business is there, then I'll put the systems and the people around it. But like half of these ideas are half starters, right? Because when you're building something for uh, the economy and you're not even asking if they really want it. And I think you need to see if the economy even wants what you have to sell, right? And I think we spend like weeks and months like contemplating what I'm gonna do a course from or what I'm gonna teach on instead of just sending a message out in your Facebook group and going, hey, what do y'all need help with? It takes two seconds and then you have your answer and we don't have to think about it anymore. 
Like, you know, you know what a lot of people do on YouTube? I have a guy who's, they got 1.4 million uh, subscribers. They go on YouTube, they type in what's the most searched topic, and then they make a video about that. Not complicated. You know, I don't even know what to say. Like, it's, like, it's, I mean, it's some of these things that, like, that I'm starting to see more and more, like, as I get deeper kind of into this, like, content creation, you know, industry, I guess you could call it. But, like, I remember, like, prior to starting, like, looking at it from the outside, like, it was just this big mountainous monstrous thing. But, like, looking back on it now, like, it really wasn't all that complicated. Like, we're, like you were just saying, like, you know, obviously I had some help in it, and it, because I didn't understand it it seemed a lot more, you know, difficult, but like looking at it now, you're like, really, it, it doesn't require anything that technical. And like you just said, like the guy has 1.4 million subscribers, you know, they make, so they make, so get, so get this, in. they make 300 to $500,000 a month off of a video that his wife does. Who's a, she's a trainer and she charges 30 bucks a month. And this is what they've been doing for the last five years. He taught himself from Russell Brunson and that's what they do now. And now they're investing in real estate. Oh, I just like, that, that's pretty much exactly where I was going with that was just that like, I was gonna say like, if anybody doesn't know, 1.4 million subscribers is far beyond the amount you need to monetize a YouTube channel. So I've got yeah, like, I've got, obviously I've got, got the numbers I've got there, 100, right? I've got 110. So YouTube is a, is a black hole for me, but it's a focus now. Um, and I think this is something super important. And, is that focus on where you hit the hardest and what's easiest for you to operate. And for me, it's Instagram. And, um, you know, everybody's like, you need to be on LinkedIn. You need to be on TikTok. Like TikTok is the, the abyss to me. Like my buddy posted a video that I made on his podcast and it got 40,000 views in two days. I posted the same video on my page and it got six views. Like, I don't even know what means anything anymore. big one into TikTok, but like, I am a firm believer in kind of like finding your thing. Like you mentioned it being Instagram, like, like find, like, like, like you even mentioned earlier, like find the one or two people or the one or two channels or whatever that you enjoy the most that you, you know, like have the most fun with whatever kind of jargon you want to use there. But the, the, pl- the two places that you spend the most time and focus on those, get really good at those mm-hmm. rather than trying to kind of take 20 different directions and be v- extremely mediocre at a bunch of different things. If you get really good at those one or two things, you're going to make, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say you're going to make more money, but you're going to be much more successful than you're going to be trying to stretch yourself out doing 20 different things and being half-assed at it. 100%. And, you know, guys, there's there's some books, right? I read, I read a lot and I, I listen to a lot of books and there's some books that are just, I just think are foundational books um, with different sectors and different topics. And I'll just rattle them off here. You know, what you say when you talk to yourself. I, I bought that book 75 times, like for every coaching client, because it talks to you about how you reprogram your subconscious mind for success. Um, Psychology of Money by Morgan Hazel is teaches you how money works and, and why we uh, don't use it properly. Atomic Habits, uh, Extreme Ownership, um, expert secrets by Russell Brunson is a, is a must read. I've read it four times. Um, you know, books like these guys, like this is where 
and this is the problem is, is information overload, especially with YouTube and everything, but take certain teachings from this and, and it's framework teaching, right? It's not like I have to like hold this down and this is exactly what I have to do. I have read all of Russell Brunson's books four or five times a piece and I don't have a click funnel. It's not about click funnels. It's about the concept behind click funnels. And I think we're in this world where it's super literal, right? But like there's concepts to everything and everything I'm saying, you might not agree with as well too, but there is some truth to what's been successful for me, but that doesn't mean it's successful for you, but take what you want and leave the rest. And I think if you look at high achievers on par, because I coach uh, multiple millionaires, is they take what they need from the situation and they leave, right? And here's, I'm going to give you the best tip that I am, like I have, this is not an ego thing. I am a super connector. It's what I do. It's my specialty. The only one that catches me is close is Carswell. And we fight about back and forth who's number one all the time. But, but here's what I do that others don't do. And I learned this from a very successful businessman that I know. Let's say I'm going to a conference, right? Let's say it's a two-day conference. Now, I could meet a thousand people and that might be good. But what I do beforehand is I go down the register of the conference list conference list. And I pick out five to seven people that I want to talk to for one reason or another. And after I've met those people, I leave. Or if I meet other people, I'll get their number and then make a meeting with them out the side. But what you're doing is by meeting 40 people in one day or trying to meet all the people, you're not going to remember half of what you talked about. And so you can't hit on that point that matters to them. Like, I'll give you the best story of my life. So there's this investor who does 400 transactions a year in real estate and has three other companies with four kids, no marketing. He is a savage. Like this dude is killing it. And I really wanted to meet him. And I said, listen, I want to hang out with you. I want to be inside your ecosystem. I want to know your world. I want to see how you do all this and have no assistant, no marketing. And I was like, I'm like, what about October? And he's like, I can't, I'm busy. What about November? I can't, I'm busy. What about December? I can't, I'm busy. And I said, okay. So it was like my birthday and I was like, screw it. So he lived in Phoenix. I was in Texas. I bought a plane ticket and I sent him a message and I said, I will be there January 6th, clear your calendar, deal with it. And he was like, all right, I'll see you at the gym at 5 a.m. So I meet him at the gym and then I said, okay, I'm going to go pick you up from your office. And uh, we'll go look at all your flips. And I knew from his Instagram that he loved Cadillacs. So I went on a website and I found a 66 Cadillac DeVille on 20s with a sound system and balled out. And that's what I picked him up in. And he started crying. And he was like, why did you do this? And I said, because you meet a million people a day. And when I leave this state, you're going to know that Austin Lenny was here. And he drove that thing around all day. And he, we went to a meetup and he told everybody that story that it was like the greatest thing in the world. And he still talks about it to this day. And it cost me a total of 130 bucks. And I think he sold a house with a guy that we rented the car from. <laughs> like, you know, but like, but like there's a million, there's a ton of noise. And I've done that multiple times. How I met my only mentor, I flew across the country to California for a 15 minute meeting. And it turned into a three-hour meeting, and now we're best friends. So understand that how are you going to stick out from the crowd? 
are people going to remember you? And are you remembering details about them that are not so obvious? Because I understand that a guy that's wealthy, he doesn't really need anything, but what he cares about is his family. So can you do something for their kids or a gift card where they get to have an experience with their kids instead of giving them something that you think they need because they already have everything? And I think really probably the most powerful thing that, I mean, that I got out of that, like, obviously there was a lot to unpack there and, you know, definitely going to go back through that. But what I mean here is I feel like what hit me is that like, yes, you bought a plane ticket and like, yes, you flew to him, but in all the simplicity of it, like you kind of just did some research to figure out what he was into mm-hmm. and then just gave that to him. And like you said, it cost you a total of $130. Like, I mean, I'm not speaking for everybody here, but I could swing $130 and like, did that meeting or did that not kind of change? I think, your life I, think I met, I, I think I met three business. So from that meeting, I've met three business partners and, and I've got four coaching clients from that meeting. I mean, I mean, and that's my point exactly. Like, I mean, and I'm assuming that you've made up for that $130 by now. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a touch. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, just a touch. But like, yeah, and it's so funny, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a part of Arte, right? Arte Syndicate with Ed Milet and Andy Frisella. And it's, it's, not, it's not crazy expensive, but it's not cheap, right? And, you know, um, I don't really like, the calls are out of control. The Facebook group's kind of hard to keep up with because there's a lot of people in it. But I'm now involved in business with like four of those guys that the return on these investments, that, that, that 500, 400 bucks I'm spending a month could be like in the millions. Like, and so it's like, when you get there, like understand that the other people that paid there are probably a high quality individual. So one of the things I heard from Grant Cardone that I thought was one of the most poignant things he's ever said, and I've always took it with me. He said, you're coming to GrossCon to talk to the people on stage when the actual value is the person sitting next to you in the stands. Yeah, I mean, you never know really what's going to come from those scenarios. And like, like you mentioned earlier, like going to these events and like finding those, you know, four or five people, like you never know who's going to be there. But at the same time, like if you can focus on that, like, like you've clearly just shown like that can go leaps and bounds further than what you even realize from one person, because that one person can also connect you to other individual people that you mm-hmm. know are aligned with what you're doing or, it, and so forth. And a simple, a simple hack that we do in my business, because my, I, I have, you know, I'm juggling multiple, multiple things, right? Um, my business partner created it on Airtable.com, which is free, which is what we use for our, our podcast to organize everything. You can create a link where um, you can give to somebody or, or I would do it to myself. And it says name, email, uh, profession. And then the last line is if I were to get them a gift and they were to smile, what would that gift be? And I put that in and then that populates into a spreadsheet. So I have a CRM complete of relationships and what they do and how to get to know them, right? And I think one of the biggest issues, because I own a sales and marketing company that's kicking up and, and we're helping some companies. I think one of the things that we're doing, which I don't think is a bad thing and I love it, is automating everything, which is amazing. But understand that these simple things, the hand-to-hand combat, the handshake, you know, somebody asked me the other day, what's something old fashioned that you do that people don't do anymore? And I said, hug and, and shake hands. Like meeting that person for coffee, like 
one of the joys of being able to travel when I want to is I can go visit my clients in, in, in person. And so I coach uh, two entire companies and I'm going to Denver and I'm going to spend all day with him um, masterminding and working out systems in the company. And they're not paying me for that. That's all on my dime, right? But understand that in about seven months, they're going to be a hundred million dollar company. And so I'm also going to forego my coaching fee to get stocks before the IPO. Long game, long game. Yeah. And I think what you just mentioned is so important as well. Just, you know, like, like you said, long game. I'm like, you're not thinking about the immediate, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm, just dude, I'm getting like, paid. Dude, this yeah. is really blowing my brain. I'm getting paid. It's happened twice now in, in crypto for coaching. And everybody's like, you're okay with that? And I'm like, nah, I don't Sure. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I don't care. And you know who got me in that? The only reason I'm in crypto, Adam. And you know why I'm coaching one of those companies and two clients, Adam. And he said, listen, I know you don't understand it, but just go in. He goes, you're built for this community. And what I realize is that crypto and NFTs and all that stuff is nothing more than one thing. Community. That's it. I can get behind that all day. Now, I apparently just did my first NFT yesterday. So I don't, I really don't know what's going on, but I'm up for it. Right. And, and, and I think that, I think that you you know, like you inspire me, like for you to start a podcast as young as you did, like imagine what this is going to look like on a 15 to 20 year horizon. Like imagine the contacts and the relationships, like that's amazing. And, and so my message to every young kid is this, understand that every minute that you're wasting fucking around and partying and wasting your money, is one second and minute that you're taking away from your future family. I have a friend. He is, you need to have him on the podcast. He is 24 years old. He, I want to say he makes $100,000 a month. At 18 years old, he was uh, managing uh, 10 agents. Now he has three companies. He's the most put together young guy ever met i think he's 23 24 he's a good friend of mine he owns a brokerage a wholesale firm a flipping company a staging company he is just the greatest guy and i said man how can you be so focused and so on it at a young age and he goes because when i have a family i want to be there and i don't think enough people think about that because i can't tell you how many 50 year olds that i coach that would have gave anything in the world to start at 20 years old and so when i get angry or I'm aggressive in the way I speak, it's because I'm talking to my 17-year-old self. Dude, I was making some serious cash bartending and, and selling wine, and I had none of that to show from it. And so at 39 years old, getting divorced and getting laid off from private equity and rebuilding businesses, I'm now in my building stage, which is fine. Not that everything works the way it should. But my message to everybody is get started and get started yesterday. And if that's five bucks here or 10 bucks here or five bucks in Bitcoin once a week, or, or you're, you're mentoring with somebody in the Airbnb space, like whatever that is, just get started. And, and, and you don't need the permission, okay, to get started. So I'm giving you the permission right now, the same way Gary Vee does. I'm giving you the permission to fail, but get started.
I mean, and failure is all part of it. I mean, in essence, like if you're going the entrepreneurial route, you better get used to it because that is like, <laughs> like in and of itself. And I can't say welcome, a whole lot because I haven't been Welcome to every long. weekday. Yeah. Welcome but, to every day. Yeah. But yeah, that's exactly my point. Like just in the conversations that I've had and, you know, the books that I've read and everything, like, I mean, failure is like the biggest concept of an entrepreneur, essentially, just because they essentially don't care and they get up and they keep going and they show up again and they do it again. Meanwhile, the whole rest of the world is scared to show up. And that is what I think is so powerful for entrepreneurs now. And like, and what I'm trying to essentially spread to more young people is that the way we've been groomed about failure is just completely wrong. And I'm just trying to show them that you learn more from it, but you don't learn anything running from it. And failure, like, failure and success are the exact same thing. They weigh exactly the same. Um, I love to call myself out. It's my favorite thing to do because it makes people, it gives other people permission. So my first real business I started, not, not, not my like Airbnbs by myself, but like my real business. Like we had um, multiple uh, properties that we were managing all over the country at scale. Like we were, we were rocking. And we were bringing in money, but the accounting wasn't good. And, you know, I'll blame somebody else for that, another business partner. But all I, all I say all that is to say this. I lost $26,000 in that company. And I walked away from it because I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I hated who I was becoming. And I, for two days, beat myself senseless. And uh, I was like, you blew your only, you blew your only shot. You, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I called my buddy and he said, Hey, did you go to business school? No. Did you graduate college? No. You ever started a business before? No. He said, okay, you just went to school. Cost you $26,000. You're good. Go. And here's what I will tell you. The self-awareness and the lessons that I learned from that business and understand that I'm only sober because those two guys in that business were sober and that's why I got sober. I will gladly write you a check right now for the 26,000 again. And so with self-reflection, it's the best money I ever spent. I think that a lot of us are kind of getting that experience through college. Like for me, like I, I feel like I experienced like to an extent, obviously not, you know, the same way, but I feel like I experienced that level of self-reflection, like in my, throughout my own journey to the point that I was like, okay, this isn't what I want. You know what I mean? I want more, you know what I mean? And like you even mentioned, like, um, your colleague that's, you know, 24 years old and just rocking it right now that, you know, when he has children, he wants to be there. That is one of my biggest whys, you know, and it's not that my parents ever weren't, but it's just that that's what I want to do. And I want to have the freedom to do that. And a lot of people don't understand that, but I don't necessarily expect them to either. Nobody is going to see your vision the way that you do. And you can't necessarily expect them to either. But what I'm saying, I guess, is just that, um, like everybody kind of goes through that reframing of, you know, like what we were just talking about, like, at a different point. And like, I like that, um, you know, your buddy says like, you know, there's your college tuition. You just went to school. Like <laughs> the crazy part think, is those of us. Yeah. Um, no, there's ahead, way more than that. It's way more than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what I was just going to say. The craziest part is we, a lot of us are spending far more than that <laughs> to 
you actually go to school and yeah. the craziest part is you may or may not have learned more in that experience than we will by the and, time we and come out. By the way, that was seven months. Yeah. yeah, it was seven months too. And yeah. so, you know, one of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite quotes I ever heard was all freedom has a price. Meaning freedom to leave my marriage. Like that was a freedom and I had to pay the price and the hurt feelings and the money loss and the house I lost, but I'm better for it. And all leaving that company, I had to lose the money, but I was better for it. Like, so and leaving alcohol behind that freedom had a price too, but I'm better for it. So, so whether or not you're building now or building later, it's all going to come at a cost. It's just you that gets determined. And, and here's the rub. And this is something super important that we focus on hundred percent on my other podcast with my co-host. Everybody is selling you this work life bullshit. It doesn't exist. Okay. What you're searching for is work life control. So your control of your schedule, control of your time. Does anybody know? They probably don't because I don't talk about it, but I have a multiple six-figure business that I work four days a week, a month on. Four days a month. So if I wanted to, I would make over $200,000 a, a year working um, 20 hours a month. But I also work 15 hours that day. But that was my aha moment. That was like, holy crap, I really built this from nothing. And if I wanted, if I was content with just this, then I would be set up for the rest of my life. But I want to create jobs and I want to create massive impact on the scale. So I'm building to build businesses and conglomerates and all that stuff. But that is the moment. And what you realize is this super fact, you know who it changed? You know how much it changed of who I was? Zero zero. I'm still hungry. I'm still impacting. I'm still giving back my time. And I have a, I have a, I have a plan. I have a goal. So I'm, I'm 39. I'll be 40 at the end of this year. I have 11 years. I have 11 years to build everything I want to build. I'm going to sacrifice some stuff. I'm going to go hard. And at 50 years old, I'm going to sell what I don't want. I'm going to keep what I do. And I'm going to give away my time for the next 40 years. And I'm going to focus on teaching middle school, high school, and college kids financial literacy mindset. And I'm going to get all my big, rich friends. And that's going to be our focus. Because I understand that the only thing that can truly change the world and leave a legacy is knowledge. And one of the things that I really liked about what you just said is that, like, despite everything that happened, it didn't change you. And I mean, even I think it was even just this morning, I saw a quote in the book that I was reading and it was, it was essentially the same concept, but it said something along the lines of if you can't manage $1,000, you're not going to be able to manage $10,000 and you're not going to be able to manage $100,000. Like the way your habits are now are not going to change based on the level of income that's coming in. Like you have to change that now, not later. Like it's not something that's going to happen on its own. And that's where I like what you just said, like that it's so like that it just puts it into that frame that you're like, holy crap, like, okay, like, you know, like where you can really focus in on like what that actually means. So like, you know, like I said, just another like, extremely powerful thing that like seems so simple and you might just skim right over it and never even notice it. But it's just one of those super powerful things that you'll pull out eventually and you'll say, holy shit, now it makes sense. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, and, and, and I think parents tell you, yeah. 
And I think, I think when it comes to books, right. And it comes to learning and it comes to podcasting and all that stuff is remember the message that hits you, it might not hit you for three years or it might hit you six months from now. So just put out the message. And, and what I mean by that is like the book, this is why I read books multiple times because who I was when I read that book, I'm not that person anymore. And it might hit me different. Some phrase or sentence might hit me different. And, and so um, you know, we're trying to consume all these books for vanity metrics, but, but it's like, ha- have you executed on the, on, on the thing? And, and it's like, and, and, and I, dude, I think there's two people and I think everybody has two people. And I've seen this in my clients. I think there's your ego and what you need it to say. And then I think there's actually what you want to do. And I think at multiple times we're fighting both people and, and understanding that at the end of the day, if you really took life right? And you said, uh, in 30 years, I'm going to be exactly where I want to be. Like, you're going to be there. Like, but if you say in two months from now, I need to be the here and you don't get there and you beat yourself up, then we're just, what do we do? And so are you living your life in short-term transactional relationships? Or are you living your life in long terms? And understand that a lot of relationships that I set up and Adam, you, Adam would say the same thing. A lot of these relationships that I'm setting up, I might not actually ask what I want from them for a year and a half. Like I'm setting it up for a year and a half later because I don't need them right now. But I need to establish the relationship now. And it's the same thing. uh, All I do is study how to sell companies and build companies. That's basically all I focus on because I used to work private equity. If you go to a VC firm too early in the company's building stages, then they will take your shirt off your back. But if you go in there with sales and a track record and a system and the right employees and the right people in place, then you'll get exactly what you need. So here's my rub. How many of you are trying to withdraw from life without putting in enough deposits? I think that that's just so powerful. Like, and I know I've talked about recently how a ton of us are just spending a lot of time asking for things, but we're not putting in the desired amount of work to appreciate and achieve those things. You know, we're asking for more money. We're asking for more friends. We're asking for, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like we're not putting in the desired amount of work to uh, like to fully appreciate that outcome. Like we just talked about, like you're, you're asking for more money, but until you learn to manage the money that you have now, you're not going to be able to appreciate that when you do have more money, you're just going to blow it the same way. I mean, it's the same concept. Like, it's just that it's just another one of those things that I feel like we keep coming back to today that it's, they're simple concepts really, but just nobody thinks about them and nobody frames them the right way to the point that people actually like follow through on those and actually make change. Yep. I agree, man. And I think, I think what's super important is I think that we as people have to allow ourselves the time to become what we are. And what I mean by that is like, back up off yourself. Like, seriously, like, um, so here's a framework that I use. I think everything is about framework and how you look at it, right? And so I made a promise to myself when I started uh, working out and getting sober that I was going to have a healthy lifestyle. And so my lifestyle is I work out every day and I eat good and I take care of myself. So I didn't say how much I bench. I didn't say what workout I do. 
I work out every day and I eat healthy, okay? Well, guess what? I'm also a real estate investor. So I am a real estate investor and that is my lifestyle looking for opportunities. That's what I say to myself. So when I'm in Costa Rica, which I'll be there in three weeks, I'm looking at real estate. It doesn't mean that I'm going to buy today, but it's what I do because it makes me happy. So when you adopt these overarching ideas, then you can operate within that framework and it gives you latitude to kind of go back over. I think one of the bigger issues is that people live their life in absolutes. Like nothing's an absolute. And if you don't allow yourself to pivot. So what I do for myself is I have theme words or theme sentences for the year. And that kind of dictates my year. So um, the, the two years prior to this was the same one two years in a row because I needed it, which was uh, emotional stability, like maintaining my emotions. Last year was expansion. And so we 20 x all the revenue for the year and created multiple streams of income. This year for me is about experiences. And so when I'm caught with the decision, I say, what's the experience I'm trying to create here for my customer or for myself? And so with that being said, we're traveling this year and we were in Sedona and I don't normally do stuff like this, but we, I said, what's the theme of the year? Experiences. So we went and got a helicopter tour and it's something I've always wanted to do. And we had the greatest time. And I'm thinking to myself, like I was going to rob myself of this experience because I just was focused on doing something else. And it's amazing when you, when you land on those like themes and words, it really becomes who you are. And, and so uh, you know, I don't know what our next year will be, but I know that this year is going to be a fun, experience-driven year, and I'm so excited about it. And so I'm asking you, and I'm asking everybody that's listening, like, what's your theme for this year? Like, is it to learn? Like, is it to grow? Is it to be healthy? Like, find what that is, and then, and then about 60% of what you're focused on, remove it. Like, keep it super simple. What's the three things that you'll do this year that are going to move the needle for you? And then once you do those three things, it's a very successful year. And those can be personal business or health. And so, you know, these are some of the tips I use with all my clients. And I think it's, I think it really helps clear and uh, set a vision for the future. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, the human brain makes everything complicated. But what I try to tell myself on a regular basis is simple. I say that word to myself like all the time because I just want to make sure that if, if, if I can't understand it, then how can somebody else understand it? And, and, and so, you know, when I say simple, it really gets back to the point of what's the quickest way to explain this in, in, the, in the least amount of words. And I think that really serves us in business. Yeah, 100%. And um, I want to apologize for the little pause there. I was scribbling no, you're fine. down as you were, you're as you're going through. <laughs> Um, you know, I've, I've never really heard it like put that way. Like I've heard a lot of people talk about like mantras that they carry with them and different things that they'll follow and say to themselves, like to obviously help stay motivated and stay focused. I mean, and I never really thought about like what my word was for this year. I mean, and, and until you kind of like put it into that frame, I never really thought about it, but it, it was also like in that moment, like hearing you talk about it, that I like heard it come to me and I was like scribbling it down. So like, that's all I was what doing. Is it? But um, it, I think it's focus. It? I think it's focused. Yes. Just because I I feel like in previous years, uh, what I feel like I have done is I feel like I've had a bunch of different things going on and I've been trying to focus, spend attention on numerous different things. And obviously there's numerous different things that are important, but 
at the same time, like, I feel like I've never like intentionally prioritized on like what is most important and really set some things aside that are wasting time per se to truly focus and grind on the things that are actually going to matter and shape what it is that I want to be and what I want to do. And that's what I feel like kind of subconsciously this year, my focus has already been on, but like, until you said that thing right there, I never realized that like, that's essentially what I'm doing. Like, so have you, have you, have you read the book deep work? No, not yet. It's on the list. You need to read it. Yeah. You need to read it. Uh, especially if that's your focus this year talks about getting into deep flow state. Here's a, here's a little scheduling hack for everybody. And this, this, you have to create an abundant mindset. Okay. So I think what a lot of people do that mess people up and how they can't stay focused is everybody asks me how the hell, so I have nine podcasts today. Okay. It's not normal. I do work on Thursdays, but I'm traveling. So some stuff got moved around, but they're like, how do you do nine podcasts in one day? And I'm like, cause it's the only thing I'm talking about that day. I'm not switching over and like worried about this and that. And so I make sure that the theme for the day is the same thing I'm doing all day. So I, on Monday, I coach all day and they're like, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, but that's, I do that all day. And so one of the hacks I do is I time block everything, but that's not the most important thing. Okay. And I'll give you a scenario. Let's say that you have no meetings on Thursday, right? And somebody wants to have a meeting at one o'clock on Thursday. Let's say you have no meetings, but they want one meeting on Thursday. You know what you say? No. Do you have any times next week? Because you're going to spend all day thinking about the meeting and you basically ruined an entire day. Okay. Instead saying, no, I can't do it that day. Can you do it next week on Tuesday? And what you do is you set it up. Let's say I have a meeting at eight, you set it up at nine and then I'll have, and then I'll schedule another meeting at 10. So you have three hours straight of meetings and then I'm done the rest of the day. But that's not what people do. They have a meeting at eight, they have a meeting at 10, they have a meeting at four o'clock. And so it's a proven fact, it's a proven fact that your mind has more beta waves in the morning to handle stuff. Have you noticed people after like four o'clock, your brain, your brain starts like going around because it's, it's been making decisions all day, right? And so any task that you have that you really need to get done, do it in the morning because harder, better. Like the, 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 the quote is, you know, uh, hard choice is easy life, easy choice is hard life. And Brene Brown, who's an amazing author and scientist who talks about vulnerability as being the number one strength for leadership, they did a study of 2,000 people, and they asked them how long they thought the awkward moment of doing something for the first time lasted. And people said, or it's something that they didn't want to do also. So people answered two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, you know, a day, eight seconds. Eight seconds. And so that thing that you don't want to do, you're actually spending more time thinking about the thing than it's actually going to take you to do it. So you're taking away other things that you could be thinking about. I think so many of us really get caught up in that exact scenario where like you could call it analysis paralysis, you can call it whatever you want, but we spend an unreasonable time amount of time just thinking about what it is we're going to do how the situation is going to go what what's going to xyz you know whatever but then we like think so much that we either don't end up taking action on it or we prolong you know doing it and we just push it off and we push it off and we push it off and it either happens extremely late or it never happens at all and what i think is so powerful in that is that as you just said like the actual moment itself 
eight seconds. I mean, <laughs> Dude, I, have a, I, I, I can't have really young, say anything else, you know. <laughs> I have a young, I have a young, I have a young client, right, that didn't want to do these cold calls he had to do for his company, and he'd been putting it off for months. And I said, listen, dude, put on Rage Against Machine, whatever the hell you need, and just like psych yourself up and make that first call. And he wound up banging out 15 calls that day and wound up selling $4,000 in products. And he was like, yeah, dude, after the first one, I was good to go. And I'm like, yeah. And you spent three months thinking about it. You know, I can actually relate so heavily to that from um, a job that I had recently, cold calling. I mean, it, it, I mean, and it works exactly that way. I mean... The first call probably took, I don't know, like extremely long. You know what I mean? Like way too long. It took, you know, half an hour to set yourself up for it, whatever. And then, you know, you might bust out a hundred calls after that. Like, but, but the first call was the longest one because it took you an hour or however long just to get yourself to the point that you're like, uh, all right, I'm going to do it now. Like, no, like <laughs> you got to start it, you know, like, and I can even tell like, say that myself now that like I still catch myself doing it sometimes and it's one of the things that I'm working on but like just cut that time thinking about it and just do it you know what I mean get to the point where yeah. you just jump right into whatever that thing is and you'll bypass that all of that wait time and all the time that you're losing you know you like piddling around per se but um you know you've been absolutely amazing for us today I mean like absolute knowledge bombs the whole time. Like my brain's absolutely mashed potatoes, but I'm going to go back through it and we're going to dig them all of this up and apply it as the most important thing. But yep. um, thank you so much, man, for just being willing to come on and share with us, obviously your story, as well as, you know, everything you've learned since then. So, you know, extremely powerful. Just thank you so much. Again, um, the question that I always like to ask the guests just in closing is if you could kind of go back to yourself in that ground zero moment, what do you think you would say to yourself in that conversation? I would say um, you were born for greatness. Start living like it. I've said, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's nothing more to that, you know, but it, it, you know, I love those quotes that like are like four or five words, but they just mean the world, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. amazing, but yeah. You want to know just, my favorite yeah, one? Go ahead. Do you want to know my favorite one? Absolutely. So uh, I'm not who I want to be. I'm not where I want to be, but at least I'm not who I used to be. I can't even say anything. You know, it's, it's like, I'll let, I'll let the quote do the work. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. So just awesome. Thank you so much again. You're an absolute rock star. And, you know, Wonderful. with that, everybody, always remember, this is Dream Chasers Ground Zero, and there's nowhere to go from here. But uh, thanks again, Austin. You got it, my man. Thank you, bud.